Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm looking for my host here. Are you on board here, Southern? Well, he might be having a little bit of trouble here with his headset because we do not hear him. And um, I want to welcome everyone tonight, and I want to thank you for being on the show. Tonight, I think we're going to have to go back into general discussion regarding what legal deception is all about and uh, what our mission is here and motive. I see that we are having a lot of confusion, uh, misinterpretation of what we're trying to show you here in our site. And... um, I think it's very, very important that we talk about this tonight. Um, I really enjoy spending hours of my time teaching you online, and you will know my posts because they're like a mile long. And, um, (laughs) Southern, are you there? That's me. Okay, Southern. You sound very far away, so you need to get closer to the mic. I'm here. Okay. Southern tonight is going to be going back over with you. Um, We're just going to brush up on this a bit because people are new. Um, Many of you go on to the legal deception site, but you don't come to the show where you could learn a lot more from listening where you're getting really confused when you're trying to read the post. And I want to do an announcement here. Normally, I don't kick people off the site. And I don't like kicking anyone off the site. Usually I kick people off the site as administrator when I see people trying to advertise on the wall, you know, these card things and McDonald's cards. But today, I'm sure the person may be listening. They were eliminated from the site because I do not want to see anyone posting any documentation on that wall pertaining to being a belligerent challenging a police officer, talking about codes and statutes. Um, When you do this, people, I'm going to let you know what's going to happen. You're either going to get shot, you're going to get arrested, and you're going to get thrown in jail, and that judge is going to penalize you like you've never seen before. We have been trying to teach you, you don't play with judges and you don't play with cops. So whoever put that letter out there, you are banned because you know what you're doing. You know that those people who don't have the insight, they are looking for help. You don't tell them to write something down signed by a belligerent. People, you're the listeners here. You're the ones who come to our site. If you believe that calling yourself a belligerent 
or a rebel or a sovereign that's going to get you somewhere, it will get you many years of prison. And I cannot help everybody. I am one person. Southern is one person. We can write up a quick note or two if we had to to get you out of your dilemma, but that's not our mission here. Our mission is to teach you how to get yourself out of your dilemma. And I will guarantee you 80%, you will get in a lot of trouble writing a letter like that and giving it to an officer. And with that, I'm going to put you with Southern, and he's going to go over really quickly again about the money doc and the license doc today because you're missing the point here, people. The most important thing we have to show you is who you are and who those courts are. Southern, take it away. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to welcome everybody here tonight. Like she, uh, she will just said, we hate to have to remove anybody from the site, but there's certain things we, <clears throat> that we have learned over many, many years, and one of the things is that you cannot fight with these people, all right? If you go in there, all right, and try to play belligerent, all right, you're Hello? going to end up... Hello? Hello. 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 Who's this? It's Boomer. Oh, hello. It certainly ain't Santa Claus. Okay. Okay. Okay, guys, I'm ready. Let me let me uh, cover so you won't have any noise from me. Okay. If you go in there and you fight with these people, it's 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 going to be all over for you. It's that simple. You cannot fight with these people. It's 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 just that simple. We're working on on things right now, so that we don't have to go in their courts, and that's going to be, be the best way that it is. As long as we don't have to step foot in those courts, we're going to be in good shape. Now, years ago. I'm going to give you a little insight. We kept going, we, people keep going to these courts. All right, they're challenging this, they're challenging that, they're challenging the other, and you keep losing. And the, de- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and, and never winning. All right? I'm expecting a different outcome. So we started looking for a different, different cause and effect here. And one of the main causes that you're going to run into, there's a thing out there called um, called the money doc. Now, you guys need to go get this document. You need to read it. If you have any questions, we will answer them. It's pretty much self-explanatory. And it is iron-clad. There is no if, ands, or buts, or rebuttal to this document. If there is, nobody's given it to me. It's been out there now for about a year or so. Uh, I've walked into court cases, and there is, like I said, there's people, if you got a rebuttal to it, go right ahead. But there isn't. There is no rebuttal to that money doc. It's plainly telling you we have no money. It's telling you why we have no money. It's giving you the evidence and absolute proof that we have no money. As the Federal Reserve note, will not 
all right, credit, or just or, or, or pay a debt. It won't do it. A lot of people are winding up in jail for non-payment of these debts from these courts. These courts are just, they're just committing a crime against you. They are fully aware of this. We have created a second document, all right, She-Wolf did, called the Species of Money. To go with this, you there, She-Wolf? I'm here, but you have pure static. On my end or your end? On your end, but as long as you don't move, you're fine. We have a document called the Species of Currency doc, and you can actually modify it, but what you're doing is you're challenging a corporation um, for big-ticket items. And people will ask you, what do you mean by big ticket items? You have a boat that you're making a payment on, or you have a house, mortgage, or you have a car. And um, before I created the Species of Currency doc, which I'm going to be updating it, I have two of them. One is for IRS, and the other one is for general you know, corporations and courthouses. And what it does is you're asking them the question, what do I pay you with? I even pre-wrote it. I wrote it that way because they cannot tell you how to pay them. And actually, I test it every week, people. There is no money. I posted on the wall today uh, a toll that I received for, it was $7. But after a couple of weeks, it went up to $50. And I became upset and I said, well, you know, I know there's no money, but I don't want to get too out of hand. So I bought a money order for $7.12. And I wrote on the memo, this is a security instrument, people, and you really don't want to have a money order for $7. You can get one for $1. And I'm going to tell you about two cases where this has been done, and as a matter of fact, one corporation came to sue us, and they lost. So I take on the left-hand side, there's a memo on the money order. And what you do is you would write on it, not accepted for value. You're giving them something to say, a contract. Upon acceptance of this payment, you agree that you have accepted this payment to extinguish the debt as paid in full in good faith. And I'll type it on the wall later. I'll tell you how I put it on there. And today I posted on the wall. They accepted it and extinguished the rest of the debt. The $2 balance is for a recent toll that I went to do. So I can give them a 50 cent or a one penny money order and I will write the same and give it to them. Once they cash the money order and they accept it, they have to extinguish the debts because there is no money. You're giving them a money order. And once they accept it, they've accepted and agreed to the terms of what is written on the memo on that security instrument. I had a relative, I was much younger, they owed a bill of about maybe fifty, sixty thousand $60,000. They couldn't work. They were severely injured and had an operation. 
and they were panicking. The hospital threatened to garnish uh, their wages and threatened them, and they were so distraught. I said, why don't you get a money order and pay them a dollar a month? At least it's a payment. And the person thought I was absolutely nuts. And I said, what will it hurt? Right now you're not paying anything, and they call you every single day and they harass you. So after the seventh payment of a dollar, I also reminded that individual, you don't have to, but I said, don't really use a check. Use a money order. You don't want them uh, trying to do an electronic withdrawal, which I've seen them do that without no one's consent. So you send a money order, and he did so. After seven months, he was taken to court by this hospital, and they were suing him now for probably $100,000 with the interest. In the long run, the judge said, and he was terrified. He brought in seven recordings, uh, copies of the money orders for a dollar. And the judge said, the case cannot, you cannot file a claim for a case that's being paid. And the other side, they were extremely upset, and they were begging the judge not to throw the case out. And he says, actually, this this, uh, payment and this debt is actually extinguished because you didn't read the paperwork. It says here on the note to be uh, paid in full each time, and he overpaid you because it says here on the note upon acceptance, You are to extinguish the debt. Therefore, this individual was more than kind to give you seven payments of the same, and you cashed all seven, as he was probably trying to ensure that you did want those payments for a dollar. And the case was dismissed, and the debt was extinguished. At that time, I was really young, and I didn't really think about what I had done. And I decided to test it again, which was the other day. And I got my credit, which I posted on the wall. Like I said, I will not tell you to do something that I have not already done. I will share things from my court case, but I I need people to come in here and actually listen and learn because you also have to go into that court and defend your, your words. You don't have to speak, but if you're not present, it's almost like you weren't really there. you got to give backing to your documentation. A third thing is today I did another little test because I want to make sure that when I tell you something that is valid and true. Mm-hmm. So I got a notice from a, a relative that this financer who is being really belligerent threatened them and said, I want you to tell your mama to pay the bill. That's exactly what they told one of my kids. So you know me. You know how moms are. We always protect our children. And I gave that financer a phone call, and I asked them what they wanted to be paid with and that if they gave me a signed uh, instrument of uh, indebtedness, uh, that, which is a, uh, an, a notice of indebtedness, that I would be more than happy to settle with them. And then I asked them what they wanted me to pay them with. So they said, well, you know that, U.S. currency. 
I said, well, you need to describe to me right now what a U.S. currency looks like, and I will be more than happy to oblige. They couldn't describe it. And then they went into this mode that they've gone into. In the uh, in a bankruptcy court, I had heard this statement before for another one of my um, individuals that I'm helping. And I shared it with them, and I said, have you heard this before? They said, tell me, what did you pay the bill with before? And I said, that was yesterday. Today's another story now that we know that you committed fraud. So today I'm going to tell you that if you don't tell me the name of the species of currency you want to be paid with, uh, I'm going to pay you with whatever I find in my house. And I said, I will pay you with 2,500 coffee beans and you will you know, send me back the change or you're, I'm going to give you whatever I find of value. And I'm telling you, there's something wrong with these people. They're like possessed. This guy began talking in a manner that was so stupid. I don't even want to use the word stupid. It was almost beyond understanding. He was acting in a bizarre manner. And I told him, by the way, this call is being recorded for quality assurance. You can take that call whenever you want to because it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the state. But I know that the state is not going to pay you twice for the same debt. Now, you haven't, I mean, he just hung up because first he started acting like really crazy, saying things that made no sense. And then he hung up when I told him I was recording him. So, people, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm telling you there's no money, and if you do do it, and you write that you're trying to pay your bill in good faith with intent, but in good faith, you might get that receipt back like I'm, I'm doing it now, and the receipts are coming back showing that it says that they did an adjustment to the bill. If you don't have any money, I would suggest at least a dollar that you pay a month. It shows an intent to pay. And I'll leave it back to you, Southern. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like I said, this money doc, all right, is so far, it's ironclad. Uh <laughs> There isn't any money. We don't have uh, anything to pay these debts with, and these people are fully aware of it. These courts are fully aware of it. Anytime you walk into a court and a judge tells you to pay X amount of dollars by court costs or pay X amount of dollars for a fine, legally and technically, you can turn around to him right there right, and ask him what you want to be paid with. Because I don't know what a dollar is. Now, you will find the dollar under, listed out there, but dollar, we don't have them. We do not have what he's asking for. Now, if you get into, uh, into this document, all right, you, you will find out that uh, we're using 12B6 in this. Failure to state a claim for which relief can be granted. Why? 
The judge just told you to do something you cannot do. Okay? Impossibility. All right? Now, under the maximums of law, all right, you cannot be forced to do the impossible, which is pretty pretty much straight. All right? Maximums of law on this is reason. Nothing against reason is lawful. All right? You cannot, like I said, you cannot be forced to do something that you can't possibly do. That would be totally illegal. So he can't force you to pay in dollars. All right? This document, the, the legal tenders, the uh, money document I've got out there, all right, pretty much, like I said, says it all. I'll give you a little, in, a little uh, insight into it right here. It gets in the House Trent Resolution 192. Public Law 73-10. Now, I have been told by many people that this was repealed. It was not. A section was changed, but it was not changed for you. All right? This was never repealed. House, all right? Public Law 73-10 has never been repealed. If it was repealed, you would not have Federal Reserve notes in your hand or in your pocket as legal tender. And if it was repealed, there could be no debt because there is absolutely no way at that moment you can pay it or, or discharge it. But you need to get into this. All right. It's got the United States Treasury, legal tender status. You can look this up for yourself. A Federal Reserve note represents a first lien on all the assets of the Federal Reserve banks and on the collateral specifically held against them. Now, me personally, I believe that collateral held against them is your birth certificates. (laughs) It doesn't specifically say that, but I, the bottom line is, I do believe it. Another interesting thing on that same site, and I'm going to quote, no federal statute mandates that a private business, a person, or an organization must accept currency or coin as for payment of goods and service. Private businesses are free to develop their own policies on whether or not to accept cash unless there is a state law which, uh, which says otherwise. Okay? So bottom line, no, we can trade anything. We don't have to use Federal Reserve notes. They just well trained us out here to do that. Now, the reason I brought that up is because I want to read Florida statute. You need to look this up in your own state. Definition of currency. Okay? Florida Statute 560.103 Definition Section 11. Currency. Means the coin and paper money of the United States or of any other country which is designated as legal tender and which circulates and is customarily used and accepted as a means of exchange. Trick words there, means of exchange, okay? 
display on wire, medium of exchange, in the country of issuance. Currency includes United States silver certificates, United States notes, right, Federal Reserve notes, and Federal Reserve notes. Currency also includes official foreign, what is this? Official foreign bank notes that are customarily used and accepted as a medium of exchange, right, in a foreign country. Now, this is where it gets real interesting. Same chapter, 560.103.21. Monetary value means a medium of exchange, whether or not redeemable in currency. Read that again. Monetary value means a medium of exchange, whether or not redeemable in currency. Now we're going to go down to 560.103. Wait a minute. Explain that to them, what that means, whether or not redeemable in currency. I'm going to get to that. Get to the next one down. Okay. Payment instrument means a check, draft, a warrant. Listen to what they just said, people. A warrant is a payment instrument. It's right here in Florida Statues. I'm not. People, let me tell you something. I wish to God I could sit here and tell you I was making this crap up. But I am not making it up. This is Florida Statue 560.10329. Payment instrument means a check draft warrant. Yeah, a warrant is a payment instrument. All right. Money order, traveler's check, electronic instruments, and other instruments, payment of money or monetary value, whether or not negotiable. Okay? Plain words, it doesn't have to be something negotiable. All right, back up to the monetary value. means a medium of exchange, whether or not redeemable in currency. Those two go right side by side. All right? You can pay with something that can't be, that can't be redeemed in currency. All right. The rest of it down there, the term does not include an instrument that is redeemable by the user in merchandise or services. Now, wait a minute. What did they just say? A payment interest instrument. The term does not include an instrument that is redeemable by the issuer. That means you, whoever's writing it. All right in merchandise or service. So a payment instrument is not a check. There's nothing. There's nothing. If you can exchange it for groceries, gas, it's not a payment instrument. Not a payment instrument. All right, the rest of that says a credit card voucher or a letter of credit. What would a credit card be, people? What would it be, She-Wolf? It is a an instrument of credit. Letter of credit. Does it say that it had to have a dollar amount in it? No. Nope. Even if you were to buy and it said pay by Visa, and you gave them a prepaid Visa card that you could buy at Walmart, and you tell them, this is all I can give you, 
but you have to write something that says, this is all I can offer you. Um, upon your acceptance, um, I pay you with this uh, instrument with full faith and credit in good faith. Once they take it, if they reject your payment, they have no claim nor case against you. Yeah, we're going to get into that right now. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. There are some forms of law out there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to write down here right now uh, to, uh, to them. All right. Did you give them the one? Is there one for Florida, though, that it also says including uh, counterfeit? Mm-hmm. No, but I'll, I'll tell you what that is. Hold on. Okay. That is uh, 18 USC. Yeah, uh, I'll let you read this. 18 USC, all right, 2311. That's 18 USC, 2311. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. All right, definition states money means a legal tender of the United States or any foreign country or any counterfeit thereof. Let me read that again. Money means a legal tender of the United States or any foreign country or any counterfeit thereof. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I wish to God I, I could say I was making this stuff up, all right? But I'm not. It's in their own writing. Now, the interesting thing about that... Is under now, the cost. here's another thing, too, Southern. Who is that definition for? Probably them, because it ain't for us. That's right. Now, the interesting thing about this is you notice they don't tell you that money is what? Gold and silver. It doesn't say that. The Constitution says that. That's telling you, these definitions are telling you you're dealing with a private corporation. Because if you were dealing with a constitutional state government, they would have to be using gold and silver under the Constitution. They're not doing it. All right? They are not doing it. That's Constitutional Article 1, Section 10. No state shall coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver as tender for payment of debts. And they just did it in Florida. That's Florida statute. All right. 560.103 definitions. Go look it up. That's got to now be a private corporation. There's no other way around it. Now, we're going to get down here to this. All right. This is UCC 3-603. Refuse of legal tender discharges immediately any and all debt obligations. You need to go look that up. That's UCC 3-603. See, this is where they got us, right? Because they give you Federal Reserve notes, and if you refuse them, they don't have to pay you. They, they put a good little trick on us there. But we're now flipping this around, and we're going to start using it on them. Because the trick's words here, people, is legal tender in medium of exchange. All right? Coffee beans in Colombia are a medium of exchange. 
Bananas down in uh, Peru are probably a medium of exchange. Somewhere out there, they trade feathers, I'm told. That's a medium of exchange. All right? Anytime you see the word medium of exchange, think barter. A barter instrument. Okay? Because that's all it is. It's a barter instrument. Bottom line is, we're, we're going to start flipping this around on these people. All right? And let them feel the heat for a while. Now, we're going to get into Bouvier's Maximum Law, 1856. All right? It states, he who does not know what he ought to pay does not want property and not paying. So if they don't tell us what they want to be paid in, then there's nothing. They can't come after you. This is maximum of law. All right? Now, another maximum law. Money refused liberates the debtor. But this must be understood with the qualifications to see, the, see tender. Okay? Now, this is a very interesting maxim of law. We're going to get, stop here for a minute and explain this. Whatever is paid is paid according to the manner of the payer. So now, if I owe She-Wolf $1,000, I don't have $1,000. I can go pay She-Wolf in 1,000 coffee beans. This is where we're going to go with this eventually. We're working on it, people. Believe me, we are. Where when you walk in that courtroom, that just, I don't care if they, I'm, I win or lose. I don't care. Okay? You see, I owe a dead judge? That's fine. Here. What's that? That's all I got to pay you with. That's coffee beans, well. Get some sugar, you know, some little coffee. Get some sugar and uh, some cream and make yourself a, a cup of coffee. Because there is no money. This is where we're going to go with this. We're going with this. We're working on it very, very hard, aren't we, she Wolf? Very hard. Okay? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And the reason why I am so strict, people, about you guys getting into these letters, getting into these title, titling of names is because I told you once that when we did this website called Legal Deception, you were to take a stick and draw a line in the sand. You are yep. standing on one side of that line, and they are standing on another. Mm-hmm. And once you begin to understand this, you're going to start seeing a bigger picture emerge. And that is those laws the Constitution all the way down to the local law was created because they are an artificial entity with lots of um, authority. But that those laws were created because if we did not put these provisions in place, including uh, to be able to um, have the three branches of government so that one could not override the other, they would be out of control. And you're thinking, well, they are out of control right now. The reason why they're out of control, people, is because you allow it. You allow them to be out of control when you don't say anything about there's no money. 
What will I pay you with if there's nothing? How can I pay you? When you oh. I'm telling you that when there's a line in the sand, people, that means those laws are created so that they can operate their government. And you know those Bill of Rights and things? I'm telling you that that's for them. They have to have rights. Because they are a corporation, they are artificial, they are, they are operating in script, meaning that when they're on duty, they are paid actors. So if you don't get, tell them what rights they have under a Bill of Rights and all those constitutional amendments, you know what happens to a government that doesn't have any restraints? They would be going out right now and killing everybody if they had it their way. All of this money stuff, turmoil that you have, you should have pushed it aside from the first day we did the show and say, you know what? We need to look outside the box because inside that box is where the Constitution is, where the statutes are, where the codes are, where the dictionaries are for them. You're welcome to read them so that you can understand what is going on here. But the copyright protects you because if you just read that one paragraph of that copyright where it tells you what you can't do with copyrighted material, you would say, well, basically I can do whatever I want to. And you can. It's just that when you go into court, like I said before on another show, you start fighting with them about these statutes and codes. There's nothing to fight about. There is no trial. There's nothing. I wouldn't even ask for it. I'd say, give me the bill, please, again. Or you bring in the bill. I need someone to sign off on this bill. And then, if you want, take a money order. But see, that bill is an instrument as well. That warrant is an instrument. Sign off on it and say, I return to you with full faith and credit. And upon your acceptance, you have to say that they acknowledge and acceptance. Upon your acknowledgement and acceptance, you agree to offset the cost of this um, bill and, and that you give it to them in good faith. They're giving you the bill in good faith. You're returning it in good faith. Because, people, if you can find the law, and I'll give you a whole month to find it, Give it to me or Southern that says the civilian population, the public, has to use a specific species of currency when conducting business. Then you know what? I will take all those papers off of our um, legal inception site, and we will start from scratch. But here's the problem. When you're buying things from mom and dad, mom and pop shops, you need those Federal Reserve notes. Those Federal Reserve notes were meant to be given to you so you can buy clothing, food, uh, things of necessity. Their vehicles, large ticket items, boats, homes. These people cheated you all the way through because, see, the moment you signed for it with your golden hand, your golden signature, you are signing a security instrument that can only be cashed by the financer. And they put that instrument in there. They're paid immediately. 
from your golden bond account, your trust account. And they're paid, and then you know what they do? They send a servicer out there to gather more Federal Reserve notes for what? For them. They're stealing your hard-earned cash, and they have your house under the state's name, your cars, your boats, and they're not supposed to take it off of you because the mortgage is a dead pledge. And what that means is that you are supposed to be able to live in that house until your death. You know, you were supposed to use that land and property for your enjoyment, even though it's going to benefit another. And they already benefited the moment you signed that contract. They got paid. But being that the state got greedy, they decided, wow, if the Federal Reserve has these large bond accounts or trust accounts for these people, let's take some from there and let's not give the people anything. We'll be their administrators and they'll continue and we'll steal their money too. And the people didn't realize that. You know, they're getting paid these Federal Reserve notes and you're finding that you even have lesser and lesser to put food on your table. Well, that's not the way it was supposed to be. I have talked to attorneys and no company right now, Southern will validate that they don't even want to deal with me. They put me straight to their attorneys when they um, have a challenge with me. And Southern will sit there and laugh because not even the attorneys want the challenge. I'm teaching you something here that I stand behind, that I do. And it's not called accepted for value. You take that. You are the value, people. You're the gold coin. And you tell them that you're paying this with, in good faith and that when they acknowledge. See, you're putting a term and condition on that document. And you write it on the right-hand side of your paper. You're a U.S. citizen. They have control of your account. They're the administrator. Do not let a judge, see, you don't have to go through all this fighting. Do not let a judge dictate to you. Say, give me the instrument. May I see the charging instrument so I can uh, have it adjusted, offset? You want an adjustment because they won't discharge it, but they have to offset it off their books because there's no money, people. And that was the most important show that we did with you was to say, stop your suffering. You could be saving this country right now if you would just learn to do this because, remember, if you tell them to offset the books because there's no money, guess what? They can't tax you because you didn't use Federal Reserve notes. You can't be taxed, but you keep a copy. When you get those instruments in the mail, I think I put a red-lettered uh a document in there, you can either give it to the state of your birth, give it to your state, or you know what? Give it to the actual courthouse in full faith and credit. And you write, payable to the state. They know where to send that to be paid off at, trust me. You don't have to give them a million pieces of information about you. As a matter of fact, I was trying to find something here that I was going to read to you um, about the clerk. And um, hold on one second. If I can find it, I will um, uh, tell you that there was something about the clerk that said that the clerk had your entire life history in the computer. 
That's and um, I read this the other day, um, but I need to find it. I was shocked. It says that your public servant clerk has your entire life from the day you were born until the day you die. It says here, the clerk of the circuit court established by the Constitution of 1838 is what? Is a public trustee for the county. The clerk provides the checks and balances in county government by acting in their capacity as clerk to the board, to the court, keeper of public records, comptroller. Remember that? He or she is a comptroller and internal auditor of county funds. And if you look, um, I'll put this link on the wall. If you look in there really carefully, there's a section in there that I read where it says um, that the clerk has everything about your entire life is in, um, in that computer. And that's true because I used to be a clerk. If you think that the clerk is sitting there writing information about your case, when you go into court, they're not. They're writing information as to do you know how to defend yourself in court do you know how to pay the bill because if you don't they're ready to charge your bond account and they will drag you through the mud they will make you perform and that's why i'm saying it's not about the court having jurisdiction people it does your opponent have jurisdiction over you does that agency does the executor, who's, who's actually the prosecutor, have jurisdiction over you? No, they don't. You're not telling the judge, you don't have jurisdiction over me. The judge has general and several other types of jurisdiction over you. Not over you, to hear the matter before them. What are your rights? You've been struck with a bill. You don't want that on your record. But I told you that if you paid them with a Federal Reserve note, or you write a check, or you use an instrument that belongs to them, hear what I said, that instrument belongs to them. Are you a bank? No. Are you an ATM machine? No. Are you an ATM card? No. Or can you write notes and drafts? No. They give you a blank money order when you get it right? Yes. And what do you do? Whenever you use something, you write a note and you instruct them what to do with it to the receiver. When you give it, um, when you're trying to discharge a warrant, you don't give it to the judge. You don't give it to the prosecutor. When you get that warrant, it should never receive. It should never um, get to that point. You give it to the clerk, and a warrant is an instrument. So what do you do? You have to write what I told you to write on there, and I will tell you, I'll give you what, instruct you what you can write on the um, paperwork for warrants and stuff, just like what you would put on the money order for a dollar. You don't have to go that far, people. You don't have to climb over the moon and stars to find out how to offset a debt. You're looking for an adjustment, so you're going to offset the cost and balance the books. All the, okay, I'll ask you this question. Maybe you'll know, maybe you won't. Do you ever see the Brinks truck coming out with thousands and thousands of dollars in pallets to the bank? No, because they're not using money, people. They're using a ledger. 
and all they're doing is moving credits and debits. Why are they not paying taxes? Because they're not using Federal Reserve notes. They're the bank. They hold the Federal Reserve notes for you to use in your exchange, but they're not using it. I see them come in sometimes with one or two small little bags. You're the one using the Federal Reserve notes, but they don't bring a pallet of money. Why do you think that the IRS says, uh, I think they brought it down to $2,000 now. You can't spend anything over $2,000 to buy a luxury item. You know what happened to that money, people? And you'll know this. Those of you who are more mature, you bought a car, or you retain a lawyer, and they say, I want $5,000 down, and I want $150 an hour. That $5,000 that you give the attorney, it's a gift. It's a gift payment. When you buy a car, that $2,000 that you give to the dealer, it goes to them. The bank doesn't take that money, people. They want your signature. They don't want your, your Federal Reserve notes. They don't, you know why they don't want it? Because they don't want to pay the taxes on it. When you bail out of jail, they tell you pay uh, 10% or 5% of $11,000, $20,000, right? What do they want? They want your house as the collateral. They don't want things that they're going to have to pay a tax on people. Mm-hmm. And that's why they say you're giving it to them as a gift so that they don't have to pay the taxes. So why are you and I paying taxes all of a sudden? Because we are using those Federal Reserve notes. It's private money. It belongs to the bank. It belongs to the financer. It belongs to the broker. And because it belongs to them, they don't have to pay taxes, but you do. Because you're not a you're not an ATM machine, you don't belong to a bank, and you're not a banker. So when I'm telling you, try it. Try it somewhere and try to pay something by doing that. I'll try to give you the words to write on on the money order. Write it in blue, please. Make sure you photocopy it. You don't need to have everything. Unless you're going to pay off a big ticket item, uh, don't, you don't have to do certified. If you're paying something of you know, little value, you can just photocopy your envelope with your stamp. I'm not trying to get people here to start spending money they don't have because we have a really tough economy. But if you want to save the economy, people, stop using Federal Reserve notes to pay debts. If you were to do that, do you know how fast this nation would turn around? Do you know that those those courthouses would collapse? Because the lesser Federal Reserve notes that you use and the lesser amount of checks that you use, the lesser loans you take out because now you know how to use your hands and how to write things because there's no money, they have to shrink because they would not have any money to survive on without you. They're getting these grants, and they're growing 
to a tyranny because they're borrowing money too and they want you to pay. But if you don't return the debt in the right way by writing, you know, having them offset it, then we are never going to have an America that we were supposed to have. You can take it away, Southern. Okay, I want to elaborate on this just a minute. I want to read a maxim of law to you. And she will answer me a question. Everybody who buys a house has a deed, right? Say that again, sir. Everybody who buys a house has a deed, right? That's right. Okay, this is a maximum law, ladies and gentlemen. We have Boobie's uh, entire maximum law, by the way, on the on the on the site under the uh, the file section. You might want to go download that sucker because it's got some interesting stuff in it. I'm going to quote: "A deed or bond found with the debtor is presumed to be paid." Read again: "A deed or bond." Bound with the debtor is presumed to be paid. So if you have a deed to that house, what is that telling you? That it's paid off. Am I right, She-Wolf? Yes, it is. All right. He's reading it to you people from the maximum law, but you don't see it because, see, the government stole your equity. And then mm-hmm. they put it into the codes and statutes. And you know what they're doing? They're pretending that they're the beneficiary of your birth certificate. And they're collecting. All, all those courthouses are collecting money. They have so much money, people, that when they tell you that this country has gone broke, what a joke. That if I could get every American man and woman to wake up and try to pay that bill in a different way, you would be seeing this world, this country change overnight, and they would, people would be happy again. It's not saying that you're not going to work anymore, but at least you'll be working doing something that you really enjoy doing. You would enjoy working and using, instead of you becoming a sandwich maker, because you don't have a choice, you'd be doing something creative, what you're You'd be expanding in your mind, and you'd be leaving that little hamburger job for who? Your children. They're supposed to be having those jobs. What are we doing out there? I see people about 40, 50, 60 years old working at a McDonald's. Those jobs were supposed to be for our children to start off in so that while we are adults, we grow up and we get to enjoy doing what we want to do. There's so many marriages broken people, so many people unhappy. Men work until, so I know some men, they have two and three jobs. They come home, they're just so beat. They don't even get to see their children. There's moms that are single. You know what? All these moms that are out there with these careers, you know why they have a career? Because they are taxing you while they're living off the fat of the land. And their children are going to Yale and Harvard off the sweat of our backs, and that's the truth. And um, I want to tell you something, and it's not to alarm you. It's not to scare anybody, but I've been, you know, watching these banks all week, and 
you know, today I have, you know, I told Southern it might not be nothing, but I think it is something. I have an auto debit account for one of my places that I go shopping. And I went to do an early payment. It was a July payment, but I was going to do it a little bit early. And I went on the website, and the button has been deactivated. Wow, I can't pay them. And I see that July, August, and September, there's, you know, there's no button for uh, August or September. But there's a button for October. So I called the company and I said, I think you have a glitch. You know, I was going to try to pay you today in advance for the month of July. Can you check this for me? And he goes, and he goes, uh, yeah, you're right. It's not working. I go, well, can you check with um, uh, your manager to find out why it's not working? Maybe he can look at it. So he comes back like in a panic. And he tells me, um, I guess you're not going to have to make any payments until October. And they said, well, I want to pay you early. He goes, no, you don't have to. You just won't have to pay us until October. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, I'm very sure. I go, why? Is the market going to crash? And he stays quiet. And I said, tell me, is the market going to crash? He goes, I don't know, but aren't you happy that you don't have to pay? I said, well, yeah, but, you know, I just want to know if something's going on here that you deactivated my account, and I'm almost paid off. So that, to me, is something I wanted to share with you that I don't know if the market's going to crash, but all I know is that my payment site has been deactivated until October. So if you don't have the provisions that you need to support your families, I'm not going to ring the alarm bells, but at least have at least a couple months worth of food and water, if anything, food and water, and, you know, something for electricity, because I don't know about where you're at, but over here it's like, burning fire. You don't want to, you know, have your parents get sick. But I did recognize that, and I had, a, you know, a couple of chit-chats with the bank, and uh, our bank manager told us that they were told to at least have a month and a half worth of food ready, that they're going to be undergoing some changes. So I'm letting you know what I've been told, but that was the second sign that I saw now is that the the my pay site that auto debit has been deactivated starting next month. And uh, Southern, go ahead. I'm going to mute myself out so you can continue um, sharing the license back and stuff. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's another little thing that you might want to get into. All right. There's a uh, document out there called Nudium Pactum. All right. Basically, Nudium Pactum is a... Um, is a unilateral contract, one-sided contract. All right, the maximum law that governs that is no action arises on a naked contract without consideration. That's exactly what a traffic ticket is, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's a nudium pactum bill. It's a nudium pactum security instrument. All right, what consideration did that? man who told you to sign that thing give you. He gave you nothing except a hard time. This is easily legal, all right, according to the impact of Because if he, if he told you to pay 250 bucks, 
he's going to give you $250 for the service. He ain't giving it. So you might want to pull that out. All right, this also applies to, by the way, to mortgages and cards and other things that only got one signature on it, yours, to pay the debt. And that's something else you might want to notice. These mortgages, okay, they only got one signature on it. Nobody else signed it. That's a new impact from contract, by the way. You might want to get into that and start doing research. Now, we're going to talk here about driver's license. I know a lot of people out there, especially this week, I saw several uh, people post things about right to travel. Well, let me tell you, this, uh, this, this license stock is out there on legal deception. You can look it up. It's called the truth about licenses. All right, this is not about this driver's license, people. It's about hunting license, fishing license, marriage license. You pick the license, okay, anything that's classified license, gun license, weapons licenses, uh, business licenses, uh, uh, everything. You notice the only thing, I want to make a statement here. You notice the only profession, and I'm talking, and I've been an electrician for 30 years, electricians, plumbers, they all got to have a license, right? What is the only profession in this country that doesn't have a license? Lawyers. They don't have a license. They have a bar card. Because they know exactly what a license is. Now, if you get into this, all right, John Bouvier is what this was designed. This whole thing was done right off of his work. The Bouvier's 1856 definition of license. Okay? License, contract, a right given by some competent authority to do an act which otherwise such authority would be illegal. Without such authority would be illegal. All right? The instrument or writing which secures this right is called a license. It's also called a license. Think about what that statement says. So all the things... All of them, everything that you have with a license is a illegal activity, according to John Bouvier's it is. All right? Therefore, it would be a criminal act without a license. Now, you think about that for just a second. Who made fishing illegal? Traveling. What makes this... How did this work? All this stuff suddenly became illegal. Now, a lot of people out here, they like to run for that Commerce Clause of the Constitution. That don't fly, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you why. Commerce Clause of the Constitution all right, only regulates commerce between the several states. Any of you that have ever been a, a plumber, electrician, uh, or a lot of this stuff, uh, your licenses, fishing licenses, hunting licenses are no good in other states. If you move from uh, Texas to California, you have to get a license in California. All right? Now, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to argue with all the, all the right to travel people out there. I'm going to tell you exactly why you don't have the right and how we can fix this. 
because they do not want to argue this. We have had this. I have put this out there with some people who have had license issues, okay? And trust me, they don't want to discuss this. There's a, a procedure that we are using, and we've had some alleged uh, prosecuting attorneys walk out of the courtroom. All right? Because the bottom line, they don't want to discuss it. There's, we'll, one night, we'll have to do a, a whole thing on what a drive that little thing in your car pocket really is. All right? We'll do a two-hour show on it. All right? Because there's more to it than you know. But you need to go read the license doc. You really do. Now, there's basically three ways that they can license somebody. Okay? Uh, remember one thing. The, Constitu- the 13th Amendment of the Constitution did not outlaw slavery. I don't care what it does. 13th Amendment of the Constitution created a new type of slave called a criminal. All right? Thirteenth yeah. Amendment states, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime thereof, the party shall have been duly convicted, I shall exist within the United States or any place subject to his jurisdiction. Okay? Trick word, there is a crime. All right? Now, Boonies is telling you, right here, the right given to some by some competent authority to do an act which without such authority I would be illegal. So, what do we got going here, people? We are all licensed criminals. With a marriage license, a hunting license, a fishing license, you name the license, you got it, you are doing an illegal activity, and you are not a licensed criminal. Congratulations. See how easy that was to slip that one in on you? And I bet you nobody got that one. Now, there's basically three ways that they can license somebody. All right? Are they getting this now? Did you hear what he just said, people? You hold the license, your license to conduct something that is a criminal activity. Mm-hmm. So you've already committed a crime when you walk in the door and you say that you're so-and-so instead of addressing the birth certificate for what it is, you're supposed to be the beneficiary of that birth certificate, okay? I heard a judge say one day, which I'll just add this in really quickly. She tells this one guy, oh, you want it? You want the benefits, but you don't want the burden. And you know what I would have said to her? He didn't know what to say because he was trying to be a sovereign. He was trying to answer her as a sovereign, but she tripped him with that statement where she said, you don't want the burdens. I would have said, well, I'm the beneficiary. Of course I'm supposed to receive the benefits. And there is no burden to being a a beneficiary. The burden comes from them. Because they're trying to impose a burden on you so they can become beneficiaries. Always remember, people, they're trying to switch roles with you. When they call that name, somebody's trying to take you, your soul, and switch places with you, and they're going to pay themselves off of your bond account. Under 
the five commissary trust. You can look that up. I think I posted it the other day. The five commissary trust is in every county, and it is your Sesame Cavite trust. Okay, that's the new name, Sidus Trust, Five Commissary Trust. Go look it up online, people. That money is closer to you than you think. Well, not even money. It's a trust full of benefits for you. It is your credit. You are the collateral, but you're the collateral because you don't know how to offset the cost and have it adjusted. That money is not in Puerto Rico or in the Virgin Islands, or in Hawaii. It's right there in your county. And um, while Southern Finch is telling you the story, I'm going to try to find a paragraph that tells you that the clerk has your entire life before them on the computer when you go in there. Every debt and every credit that you have, they know what you have. And And they know if you're smart or not, I'll tell you why. Because if you didn't discharge those other debts, they know they're going to railroad you to the ground when you go in there the next time. Go ahead, Southern. I'm going to mute out. Okay. Now, basically, licenses started in the United States. A lot of people don't want to hear this. In about 1640, right, slaves who, who went off the plantation to work for... Uh, for other masters and on their own or travel to the store, they needed permission of the master to do the traveling right, or to do any business on their own. This thing was called a license. It's, it was in Virginia, 1840. A slave license to travel. You can actually look this, put that into the Internet. You will get to see one, uh, I think, from 1800s. Okay, but they... They were back there all the way into the uh, 1640s. Now, there's a Wikipedia article out there on that. And it, Wikipedia basically has said that they used to, the, math, the uh, plantation owners had a patroller. They used to patrol the roads. All right? His job was to, if he caught the a slave out there without master's permission, they would whip him and take him back to his master. That is the basic, uh, from what they're saying there, the uh, beginnings of modern-day policing in this country, that they were policing the slaves. So if you look at your driver's license, your driver's license has an all-capital name on it. That all-capital name is called Capitus Dominius Maximus. The name in all capital letters. It is an absolute loss of all freedoms. The fact that this is on a a thing called a license, is telling you this. You're either a slave or a prisoner of war. Now, given the fact that slavery was outlawed, and I'm not talking about under the 13th Amendment, you go back to 1926, Slavery Convention, they outlawed slavery on a world a global scale, supposedly. There's some subsequent amendments to that, all right, that took out any form of debt, slavery, peonage, uh, serfism, uh, or, any, you know, or any other form of slavery that you could possibly think of. All this is considered an international crime, by the way, 
um, under the Rome Statutes and the International Laws of the Geneva Convention and the Hague, the Laws of War. Alright? Now, we have a... The, the catch for the license is, like I said, that's one definition. Now, if you go down to Bouvier's, now, if these people are giving you a license, alright, you're either going to be, find yourself to be a slave, which they won't discuss. We went into these courtrooms and tried to bring this out. And that's when we had the, the prosecuting attorney decide he didn't want to play there, okay, and he vacated the, the, the courtroom. Uh, of course, we did a very good job of, uh, shall we say, educating the person that did this. His name happened to be Steve. Of course, when we did it with, he was surprised how fast that guy got out of the courtroom. But uh, there is a way to go into these courtrooms and not be belligerent people. That's what I'm saying. And ask the right damn questions. And they don't want to answer it. Especially if you ask it in the right way. All right? Now, they might try to laugh. Oh, you know what you're talking about. Excuse me. You tell me why I need someone's permission to do this. Uh, Because it's a privilege. So you're admitting I'm a slave or a prisoner of war. The second you start telling them that, or saying, uh, let the record indicate that I am told that I'm a slave or a prisoner of war and need somebody's permission. I start asking for master to come in that courtroom, all right, and asking that prosecuting attorney, you master? All right, we did this. All right, trust me, the guy went crazy. He didn't know what to do. He really didn't. That's why he walked out of the courtroom. All right? Judges didn't want no part of this either. They, when you start mentioning, when this whole license thing is going to blow up in their face soon, especially if I got anything to say about it. Now, slavery is one of the ways that, 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 that this can be done. Another one is under RICO. All right, so bottom line, if, you, if I have a license in my hand, are you telling me that you deliberately made everything outlawed so as you could uh, turn around and license it and therefore have licensed criminals all right, and you know, make money on it, and that would be RICO. They don't want to go there either. Now, the interesting part is, the third one, all right? Third one, all right? Uh, yeah. Third one is, same thing, Bouvier's 1856 down at the bottom, international law. An authority given by one or two belligerent parties to the civilians or subjects of the other to carry on a specific trade. All right? Now, you guys keep being told that this is all commerce, where you need to get in the Libra Code. You need to read Libra Code 86-141. This is all in the all in the license doc. Go kid yourself, it's right there in it. All right. 1863, when the Libra Code was signed, let me tell you what this reads. All right, this is Libra Code, Article 86. All intercourse, which means commerce, between the territories occupied by belligerent armies, whether by traffic, there's your traffic by letter or by travel, okay, 
or in any other way ceases. This is a general rule to be observed without special proclamation. Exception to this rule, whether by safe conduct or permission to trade, there's your license right there, all right, on a small or large scale, or by exchanging mails, or, or by travel from one territory into the other, can take place only according to agreement approved by the government or by the highest military authority. All right? Bottom line is they outlawed the commerce right there, traveling everything under the Libra Code. Now, I know a lot of people out there that are going to tell you that the Libra Code, some wars over what the Libra Code is done, well, boys and girls, I got some news for you. You got a license in your pocket, marriage license, hunting license, fishing license, any kind of license, you tell me where it came from. Because I can't find no place else. Even the Constitution of the United States doesn't allow licensing people. That is the only place for Libra Code that it does. The only place. And Bouvier supports that. 141. It is incumbent upon... <clears throat> this is Libra Code 141. It is incumbent upon the contracting parties of an armistice to stipulate what intercourse, commerce, right, of persons or traffic, travel and driving, between the inhabitants of the territories occupied by the hostile armies shall be allowed, if any. If nothing is stipulated, the intercourse, which would be commerce, remains suspended as during actual hostilities. Think about what I just said. You need to go get into that, like this license doc, very seriously. Is this about driver's license? It's about all licenses. You know, what really gets me is I got all these people out here, and I, I hate to say this, that the only thing they seem to want to hear about is I have the right to travel. Well, boys and girls, if you if you got to don't address all the licenses, you might as well address one of them. Because they're all the same thing. All right, Boogie is 1856. Just that that definition right there will get you every time. I wrote this license doc up. It has been in some courts, and they don't like it. Now, another thing about the license doc, it has some stuff in about property. A lot of you believe, all right, that you're going that when you register your vehicle, and I am so slick to this, all right, you are given to the state. Let me tell you something, people. The second you sign that promissory note to buy that car, all right, the MSO of that on that automobile, the original title, was set to your state capital. That, if you read, uh, it's 50 USC, I don't remember the actual number, Proposal war. It tells you that the state can confiscate all movable on property on the battlefield. All 50 of these states confiscate all, all movable property. All right, under that, I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, but trust me, did you tell me how they're ending up with a with with LSD car? Now, what you get back is a title, a certificate of title. 
but is always in the state name. This is why the same reason. A lot of people think they, excuse me, they understand user fraud. What they don't understand is they're not user fraud the vehicle. They're owning the vehicle and you're user fraud it. The same way with houses. All right? They reverse the user fraud. So as they own the property and you only have the user fraud of it, that way you have to pay all the bills on it. All right? Like Josie just said, there ain't no money to pay. They knew this when they were setting this up. They really did. Now, the the whole problem with this user front thing is that, like I said, a lot of people just don't comprehend it. But they need to start comprehending it. You don't own that car. The state does. You know how you know that? Go look at the tag. As long as you have to, to put a piece of metal, that tag on there, identifying the owner of that vehicle, all right, that's the uh, state, state of whatever, all right, you have no jurisdiction. I mean, they, they have jurisdiction over their property, all right? That is their car. They have jurisdiction over it, okay? This is something that a lot of people uh, have argue with me over the years, but they've never given me a real solid argument. Because they can't tell me, A, where the license come from, and B, they can't talk about the uh, use of purpose of the vehicles, the confiscation of them. Now, these two documents you really need you to start off uh, as the basics and get into those documents. There is a, a wealth of information on legal deception, and I'm always putting more stuff out there um, all the time. Now, for those of you who are new, I would advise you to download the uh, copyright explanation doc. I advise you to download the Title uh, 17 United States Code doc that's out there. The Burns Agreement Convention Doc on International Copyrights and the uh, Congressional Records, all of this out there on legal deception. Now, th this week I had got into a little argument with somebody who told me that only the cover of the book, I think it was, or something like that, is copyrighted. Well, I got some news for you. They, they did. This whole thing is with a copyright. You want to learn it. Now, a lot of people out there tell you they can't copyright law. You are 100% correct. A law cannot be copyrighted. This is why you have 1 U.S.C. 112. All right? Now, this week, I all, uh, last week, actually, I posted Title 44, all right, with the Statutes of Laws 44, Section 1 out there, the preface on the United States Code that clearly tells you, all right, in that document that it is only prima facie evidence, and we're talking the United States Code here, people, of the law that is fully rebuttable. 
You might want to think about this. Okay. Now, the these people out here will tell you that this stuff is not copyrighted. I had somebody tell me this last week that only the cover is copyrighted. Right? Not the material inside the book. Well, if that was the case, then the uh, 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 tape or the disc the song is on, that's copyrighted, but the actual words of the song are not copyrighted. Right? And if you go out there and pirate them, they won't put you in jail. Well, we all know that's a lie. Alright? They will put you in jail. Just like you're not supposed to use any of their copyrighted material. And I do mean copyrighted. We actually have found a law, and she will, she'll come in here and tell you about it. Uh, she found it down in, my, uh, in Miami. It's not even on the books. And I think it's got uh, Sue Wolf. Is that three people own that law? You there? Hello? Hello. Uh, we'll get we'll, we'll get her on here in a minute. She'll she'll uh, tell you about it. But I think it was three people signed off on that law and copyrighted. it. Now, this law is, was being used to take people's houses in Dade County, right, as a law. Mm-hmm. There, there's a whole bunch of uh, manuals out there that are, stuff is all copyrighted. If you go onto the Florida website, their website, the state of Florida website, you go down the bottom of the page, it says copyrighted. You go to Unidroid, not Unidroid, Municode. Open up any county, city, and it says copyright on it. Right on one of the pages. That tells me that everything is copyrighted. You go to the Uniform State Law Commission website. Pull up any, any of, of, their, of that. Their legislation, uh, not almost their legislation, of their acts, they tell you right there's copyrighted. Okay? Now, after 1989, everything is copyrighted, uh, to, to be presumed copyrighted. The only thing that's not is federal, is the United States statutes at large of public law. All right? Everything else is copyrighted. All right? Unless somebody can prove me wrong. Now, uh, a long time ago, we did, I did, talk to some people about copyrights. And the second I put the, I used to have a law enforcement handbook, which, by the way, we also have one of those out there uh, from Florida on the uh, legal deception site. If you go pull that up and you look at it, you'll find it. It says it's copyrighted. This is for our law enforcement handbook, people. It's copyrighted. Now, <clears throat> a long time ago, I actually sat down and talked to some, uh, uh, a copyright attorney about this. And I asked him a bunch of questions. And he finally just flat out and asked me, he said, what are you talking about? What are you trying to copyright? And I pulled out the law enforcement handbook and handed it to him. 
trust me, I'm about to tell you, he went white. I right? he went white. He wouldn't talk to me no more. Uh, we have actually got on a, a call here, and we addressed this with somebody. And he went from big bad attorney to a little bitty babbling child in just a few minutes. Okay? He wouldn't talk to us about it. Well, a lot of people say there's nothing to this copyright stuff, but if there's nothing to it, why won't they talk to us about it? All right? And they won't. They absolutely will not. Remember one thing. These people are all private corporations. They can all be looked up on Dun & Bradstreet. They can be looked up on Sam.gov. Right? They are private corporations, people. They are not a government entity. They don't want you to know this for one reason. As a government entity, they have absolute immunity most of the time. As a private corporation, they can sue and they can enjoy being sued. This is why they don't want anybody to find out. Because once you, we are having a lot of success with certain paperwork where they're done in Bad Street numbers on it, right? And there's on the Sam.gov numbers on it, calling them out as private corporations, right? They don't want to seem to want to play with that too much. Because as a private corporation, they can't be sued. There's no ends or buts about it. Uh, we, uh, we're going to be going into a lot of stuff here in the future on, on these shows. We're going to be bringing some people on here. I want you to know that. Some very interesting people, we hope. But we're going to right now. Now, anybody who's got any questions? All right. Hello? She will be there. Hello. I'm back. Okay. Hey. While you're back, tell them, tell them about the little law you found down in Dade County with a couple of people's signatures, the copyrighted signatures on it. Oh, yeah. I asked for a certain law in raw form, and it was given to me by the Board of uh, County, I think, supervisors, and it was only signed off by two people. Go ahead and take over, Southern. I have to take this call. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's so much for you voting, okay, on on anything. All right. Well, does anybody here got any questions or, or anything? Is anybody out there? Mr. B, you there? Please don't tell me everybody's muted out. Okay, I can Hello? I'm back. Hello? Oh. I'm back. All right, anybody got any questions out there? Yeah, I, I got a question. Go ahead. I, I got a couple questions. 
one, I don't know if you've seen the post up about uh, this had a recent foreclosure. How would we, how would how would we go about attempting to try to get our um, house back? <laughs> well, actually, you should have dealt with it before it was that. Uh, let me let me explain something to you. A mortgage foreclosure. There's a document out there called securitization. You need to go read that securitization doc. They pulled a good little trick. They had two little pieces of paper together. All right, and the, let me tell you this right up front. All these courts are fully aware of this fraud. Now, these two little pieces of paper, one is called a promissory note, and one of them is called a mortgage note. Now, what they did, they got you to sign them both. Now, you're done, you had an attorney there at that closing. No, huh? I represent. I represented myself. Well, okay. You had you saw a title company, somebody. All right. Bottom. Now you're talking about. Now I'm talking about now uh, the, the signing of the when you bought the house. You oh, had to have. Oh, a yeah. okay. okay. That guy sat right there, and watched you sign both of those, knowing full well that just as soon as you signed them, they were going to rip them two things apart. One of them was going to be sent in to the United States or the Treasury or the Federal Reserve, all right, the debt was going to be paid with your signature. Now, that's uh, Emergency Banking Act, 1933, Section 4, all right, securitization document. You might want to go look it up, ladies and gentlemen. Now, that paid off the debt. That left you with a nudium pactum contract, all right, called a mortgage which became an immediate asset to the bank. Congratulations. Now, they took that promissory note, and they sold it a whole bunch of times because it has your signature on it. And probably made a lot of money. We heard of one house that got foreclosed on. They made, not, they made $93 million on the house. The guy actually did a securitization audit, and that's what he came up with. Now, we uh, has your house been foreclosed on already? Yeah, they just uh, foreclosed on it uh, a couple of months ago, and I couldn't respond to what was going on because I was locked up at the time. Mm-hmm. Have they, have they sold the house yet? Yes, they have. Uh, that's where the problem comes in at. Okay. Now, getting it back is going to be... Which is impossible. You want to know? You know what I'm thinking? The house was sold, right? Yeah. But you know, I'm going to tell you guys something. And I know a lot of people are online saying that we're deceivers and all this stuff. You know, when people say that we deceive, this is our show, number one. And number two, you better go put on your big boy boxers or your big girl panties and do your own work. We're not going to hold your hand for you, people. I don't have to do the job for you. This radio show is for people who know that they're all grown up now because we don't hold people's hands. I think I get more phone calls in one day than some people get in a whole year. And usually people want to challenge us. You don't need to challenge us. Go in there and look it up for yourself. This is for people who want solutions and they're tired of the patriotic stuff, 
and they're tired of all these codes and statutes that you guys spend your head years and years digging into codes and statutes, and you know where you've gotten yourselves? 10, 15 <laughs> years of prison, you just get out of jail. Well, let me tell you, that's what happens when you play with codes and statutes. I know because I was a clerk, and I know the codes and statutes. I can spit a code and statute at you so quick. I can type them into a computer and destroy your entire life if I wanted to. That's why you have to be very careful with codes and statutes. But I wanted to let you know, your house is foreclosed. And the word foreclosed, people, it means for-closed, meaning that the judge who is on the case is not going to hear it anymore. He wrote his final judgment for closure. That doesn't mean that the case is over. Never say never. A case is never closed. It sits there. You can go back into the court, but you have to be the plaintiff. You have to be the complainant. Okay, I was the plaintiff. Okay, when we purchased the house, we were a week away from getting married. They put the house in my wife's name, okay? So before they started foreclosure, I sent them a U.S. Postal money order, $50, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a a qualified written request, blank money order. I wish I'd have known the part about what you said about right on the, the check that this is payment. I wish I'd have known that part. But that, about that, what, what part now? Tell me again. What part is that? The part about writing on the check that this, this extinguishes the debt, so forth and so on. You know, yeah, you have um, to put your own term and condition on there. And what happens is, is before you send it, if you're writing a check, especially, I don't care if you're sending a check. The reason why I'm telling you this is because you want to keep a copy for your records. And then when you get the canceled check back, right, um, you keep that for your records, too. Because, see, the bank well, see, but here's the thing, smart. though. I put mm-hmm. a I condition in there. This this $50 check or this $50 mm-hmm. postal money order was attached to my request. They never responded to it. Never. They never sent nothing. They just cashed the check. And I have a copy of the cash uh, money order from um, the U.S. Postal Service. So that's fraud right there. And on top of it, my, my wife quit claim the deed to me. The judge erred and kicked me out on a quiet title. He kicked me out as the plaintiff. Then they turned around and brought my, brought my ass back in as a freaking defendant. And I never signed a note. So this, that's my problem. And that's where I'm, I'm stuck at. Now, you said that they brought you in as a defendant against who, the bank or who? Well, the, the the deed was titled in my name. We, my wife did a quick, quick, quick claim deed to me. Okay. okay. So they they kicked me out. The judge kicked me out as the right. plaintiff. He said I had no standing. Okay. And clearly, did he tell you? Did law, he tell you? Wait, you had no standing against who? Against the bank, because I wasn't mm. on the note. But but clearly established law in the state of Pennsylvania is that if I'm on the D, and it's a quiet title. I have a yeah. right to be in the case. Right. Okay. The judge kicked me out. He he mm-hmm. he he he, he uh, denied all my claims and and removed me uh, from uh, the suit as a plaintiff. Then the bank turned around and put me in as a freaking defendant. That's a the bank right brought there. you in as a defendant. 
Well, you know, you should. Go, I would go back the same. You go back against the bank. You have a note, right? We had a note. You have the note? Yeah, we have a copy of the note. They never gave us the original note because that was one of the things we even right, tendered. It's destroyed. It's destroyed. Um, but you can always get a copy of it at the um, county clerk's office, right? Right. And the clerk will sign it. And you know how you have a foreclosure, right? Yes. The foreclosure. Yes. You can get one from the clerk signed by the judge. Have you ever been to federal court? That's what well, we, we originally started in federal court. I mean, started in state court. The right. bank came in and moved it to federal just to get a freaking de- decision and a judgment, and then they turned around and went back to state court to do the foreclosure. Mm, I would go right back into federal and take it right back off of them because I have a guy right now who's in, um, he's in bankruptcy. <clears throat> and basically, don't file for bankruptcy, whatever you do. What you do is um, if you file for bankruptcy, you've just told the judge that you really do own the debt. You're actually right. telling him, guess what, I'm a debtor and I own the debt. And he's not going to take away your debt. I had to do right. some maneuvering to help somebody take over the um, case of his own bankruptcy. And after I landed the case right on his lap in his favor, he messed up and gave the case back to the judge. Because, see, I like maneuvering where, you see, you have to leave the judge as an impartial party, but you can also corner that judge without challenging his jurisdiction. Because remember, your opponent is the bank, the bank attorney, or it's the trustee, right? So I would go back in and file a claim against them. You're married? Yes. Okay. And that that is your only home, and the mortgage is a dead pledge, meaning that that was supposed to be your home until you die. And basically that you're the caretakers of the land and that they put you out and that there was no money to pay with. And you could say that the bank never gave you any uh, way, you know, like they never gave you the instrument. Say the original instrument was never given to me as a presentment so that I could offer payment. Well, and see, and this is the other part of this. Right. When I sent the $50 money order, I also mm-hmm. tendered payment of the debt, okay, upon proof that they were the, the owners of the, the, the mortgage, and they never responded. Notary yeah, but you tendered payment to what, though? The mortgage itself? Did, uh, here's yeah. my question. Did they give you a presentment? No. What we did okay, was... Okay, how about this? Did they give you a foreclosure judgment, and in the foreclosure judgment, it'll say pay $200,000 to the order of, did you get one of those? I did get one of those, but at that particular point in time, I was in jail. So I couldn't do anything, and the sale went through while I was locked up. Okay. I can't guarantee, but I think that you can go in and file claims that or or whoever was there that you made an error, right? You're going to go in as an under error, 
and you tell them that you did not receive the presentment because you were in jail, and you write the truth down, and it's your truth, and you bring it in, and I've heard of people that have had their homes taken away from them while they had to give them another home to live in now, or they would make the people who were there before get out. But you have to write it the right way. Okay. Don't give them no excuses, okay? Because there's no excuse, all right? But right. you do have to say that you you made the error. Maximum law is better to err on the side of mercy, okay? Okay. And I will tell you why you have a shot. I would say a 60% chance if you go in the right way respectively because I've had people tell me that their rights were terminated for their children five and six and ten years ago, right? And that is a final judgment for termination of parental rights. And they'll come back ten years later all cleaned up, right, and the kids are now with someone else, and we'll write them a letter to the judge, and I've gotten three sets of children back that were already judgment, they were already settled into their homes with their new families, and they were taken away from those people and returned, restored back to their parents. You know why? Because no judgment is ever final. You see how they keep coming back into court and trying to bring you in to steal your house and your cars and stuff? Yes. Well, that's the same thing. You, you can go back in as many times as you want to, too. And you, you take them to court, but you got to keep your papers... Simple and clean. The judge don't want to hear a million reasons. But okay. if you give him the right reasons why you need a home again, right? Think outside the box. You could get that home because one day a judge had said, I terminate your parental rights. And I laughed in court. And I told them, oh, you actually believe that just because you said their rights are terminated, and I'm looking at the individuals, that you're no longer a mom or dad because she said so. The judge looked at me really mad, and I said, just because you terminate someone's rights, but you think their reproductive organs don't work anymore? I mean, they did not know what to say. But you, you, you can't have a baby no more because you said my rights are terminated? Oh, that I can't ever start over again? Wow. No. Yeah. You you that is not true because the 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 longest one that I had was a ten year oh mom was not in good shape and ten years later the child was already adopted and the person changed their life and the other person was sickly that took the child and that person got their child back after ten years with a termination. I have three terminations of parental rights where I help the parents get their kids back. And it only took two pages. A letter to the judge telling them why they have merit to get their children back, and the judges return the children. And one of them was a really mean judge. That judge called that person into the courtroom and said, come over here. Let me look at you. You know what? I'm going to give you back your kids. Never say never. 
But don't fight with the judges, but fight smart. Don't even fight them. It's not even a fight. You can get you can get those banks, I'm telling you. But it's not as hard as you think it is. Gotcha. These banks well, are fraudulent because they never loaned you a damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got that falls under Nudium Pactum. That falls under Nudium Pactum. When that, when they who signed that contract, you signed the unilateral contract that became an asset to the bank. Then come you, back. You need to get, look up the Nudium Pactum doc on legal deception that's put out there, especially for uh, traffic tickets and uh, and uh, mortgage foreclosures. Because nobody, now, ever I, to, nobody ever wants to discuss this, especially not these people. But you need to say, okay, where's, well, what did you give me? And if they say money, Federal Reserve notes, then you need to have that money doc in your hand and you need to know it. Right. All right, what did you give me? You gave me a promise to pay later. So that can, you know, you can tear these people up, people. Let me tell you something. I am a saying, and she will verify it. These people live in a glass house. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you if you throw the right stone, all right, that glass breaks. All right, these people these more these people never gave you anything. Okay? That's why they have a barrier between you and them. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they have all these police officers, people? <laughs> why do you think these judges hire? All, why do you think these attorneys hire all these? police forces, they're already to the point where they have tanks and armament. You know why? Because they live in a glass house. And they know, I've been updated, they know that we figured out their stuff. I have private articles that I can't even share with you that says they know you guys know now. And they're terrified. And if you saw this one article where the people, I think, was it in Germany, Southern, where they were marching and the police officers took their hats off and started marching with the people? Yeah. They figured it out, too. Once the police figure out what we figured out, guess what? They won't march with them either because everybody, even if you're a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. Once you're off duty, you're not a police officer anymore, Okay. Mm-hmm. You're, and, yeah, you have your cone of silence. You have the police family, the court family. But guess what? We're the American people, and our families are larger. But if we do things the right way, and I know many of you are in court, many of you. But I'm telling you right now for your own good, and this is for future reference, too, before you get to court, Settle out of court. And I'm telling you that it works like a charm. Because when you start attempting to exhaust your administrative remedies with them, the best administrative remedy is an intent to pay. You give them an intent to pay or they try to send them a bill. Okay, you know how many of you have your, um, uh, what do you call that, your A for B's returned to you, not paid, because... You're not, you, see, when they send you those things, those are not instruments. Those are just uh, statements. 
And a statement is not, I don't think a statement's on 18 USC 8, is it, Southern? No. Okay. Because you're being given a statement, um, if you look up the word billing statement versus billing invoice, right, it'll tell you that the statement doesn't affect their ledger, the invoice does. That means that they require <clears throat> something from you. So you can't return a billing statement to a light company and say, here, I'm going to give you this back and I'm going to do an A for V. You can't do that because that's just a statement. It's telling you that this is how much you've used tomorrow and how much you've used in electricity. It's just telling you your usage. But you need to give them an instrument and that says, I give this to you. And, I, and I'll write it down. I'll put it on the wall. I gave you guys one to use, but I'll give you some other ones for local bills. Now, and quick question. Get, mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. You said something about a, a warrant, uh, a warrant mm -hmm. being um, a security yes. instrument to that effect. Yes, oh. it says right there. I pulled it up from the clerk's website, and it says that the warrant is a check. Okay. So, all right, I got six warrants. Right. Um, for six felonies, I haven't been okay. indicted, haven't been indicted or anything yet. Mm -hmm. So I need mm -hmm. to go get certified copies of those. And, and you and, want and, no, you want them. You tell them. You don't want to go in for them to arrest you now, okay? Well, I'm out on bail, so as long as I don't do anything stupid, they can't arrest okay. me. Okay. What you do is, um, I'm gonna tell you, I have a warrant too. I got one because. I had a ticket, and I live in another state, and the ticket was served in a different state. And when they sent it, I guess I wasn't at the place where I was supposed to be. So, you know me, I'm going to try to take care of this warrant, <clears throat> trying to get it squashed. But you know what I did? I asked them for the bill. And I said, I need to see the judge's signature on it, honoring the warrant. So I called the state attorney's office and said, you know, you filed these warrants against me. And you know what? You need, I don't have. I need a copy of the true bill. And he said, um, "Well, where can I send it to?" And I said, "Well, I don't have an address yet because you sent it somewhere, and I don't even know where it went to." But um, the person's going to return it to you again, the warrant. So give me. And you know what the what the um, the attorney told me? He looks at. He goes, "I go, and if you don't give me the warrant, then you're going to be in default. I'm trying to settle with you." He said, well, he looked up the warrant numbers, and he tells me, um, I don't have them anymore. And I said, well, where are the warrants? He said, we sold the instrument. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, okay, thank you. I'm going to call. I already knew who had it. And it was a collection agency that had those warrants for my arrest. So I emailed them the other day, and I said, I need those arrest warrants so I can pay them. You know, they don't want to give it to me. You know why? Because what? when you who in their right mind is going to say, give me those warrants so I can satisfy them? Yeah. And, yeah, I know, I already, I know. Okay. And so then, now they're hesitating. They didn't even want to give me their email, but I got the email, and I've already made a demand for the warrant. Okay, you don't give it to me, I'm going to give you seven days. I'm going to give you another one. You don't answer, I'm going to give you seven more days, and it's going to be the final judgment. You're in, after the third try, they're in default. But you keep your letters. And then you take those letters and you file it with the clerk. And remember, here's the whole trick. 
the clerk is a public trustee of the public. So what you're going to do is you're going to say, you, you can go online and pull up three warrants, but they're not originals. You know, you need to sign warrants. And you tell right. them that you replied three times to this agency to give you the warrants and they didn't give it to you and they're in default. You go before the notary. She looks at You could even do a testament. You need to get a quorum. A quorum means you're going to get your notary to stamp what you've written as validation that there's three emails that you sent. And then you have it followed by a quorum of your peers, like three people. And you give it to the clerk, and you write an order to quash the warrant. And you tell them because you requested an original copy of the warrant so that you could satisfy it and that the agency refused to give it to you. And you have three witnesses sign it. And they have to quash that warrant because you did make an intent to satisfy well, see, these are these are um, these are charges I picked up while I was in jail because I I filed something against two it judges. It doesn't matter. In jail, you have more power. Did you know that you have more power in jail than you do outside? No. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem that you way sure to me. <laughs> uh, well, because you know what it is? It's just because you don't know. Southern right. has not a judge admitted that every man sitting in jail is in there by their own consent. That's right. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, Securities Act 1933, Section 2, definition. This is a warrant as a security instrument. You see? Which means if the judge signs it, guess who's fucking, guess who's, guess who uh, the grantor is? The judge. It's his warrant. And what do you got to do? He puts a warrant, right? And you um, sign off on the warrant because it, it's a security instrument. You turn it. it over and you put payable to whoever gave it to you, right, with full faith and credit or attach a dollar money order and write it to the courthouse and you write to satisfy the warrant um, you acknowledge and accept this payment, paid in full, in good faith. Well, see, I tried to do that when I was in the jail cell because what they did, they rearrested me. I was in there mm-hmm. serving months mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the warrant, but I didn't have a pen because I had no idea why they were calling me in there. And he right. wouldn't even give me a pen. So, mm-hmm. so is that something that I can I can write up a statement or affidavit? Yes, if you're in jail and you have a piece of paper, I'm going to tell you how, how I know, too. I know someone, you know, I'll, I'll, let, I'll just tell you. One of my kids got arrested for something that had nothing to do with, you shouldn't have been arrested, but they were, right? And they didn't know what to do because they're a kid. And I told them to go and find a piece of paper, and they did, and I told them to write down that they are not the trustee and they are not going to accept involuntary suretyship and trusteeship without consideration. That you, I did not know that I was involuntarily, you know, like you're saying, I'm not the trustee. And right. I don't accept trusteeship and involuntary suretyship. That means you're the surety. Right. 
And you just write your first name, okay? Okay. And you're going to say, well, what about my last No, they don't need your last name. Trust me. You're going to write your jail number on the bottom of it. Right. And you're going to say beneficiary with a vested interest. And guess what? You've just taken the... See, the judge was trying to trade places with you. He wants to be the beneficiary of your bond account. Now, if inside the court, inside the jail, you're on the private side, so all you need to do is find a notary in there, and there, there's a notary in the jailhouse. Inside yeah, the guys are at. Yes. And if, if they don't want to notarize it, don't matter. Give it to somebody uh, that goes in between the courthouse and the jail, and make sure if you can remember who it is, or you know that person who works with you in the jail, they know your case number, or your judge who's going to be on the case, right? Mm -hmm. You tell them to deliver that to the judge, and that is your habeas corpus. You write rid of habeas corpus, or you could just say requesting release from this cell, because if you don't have, you don't have to know their language. They demand for release. And you give it to them, and that's what my kids did. They wrote a blank paper. They're a kid. They don't know what they're saying. I'm not the volun- I'm not serving as an involuntary suretyship and trusteeship. I'm not the trustee. I am a beneficiary with a vested interest. And you have them serve it to the judge. You write your jail cell number, and then they they're going to release you because you've just taken away their rights as beneficiary. They're going to try to rob your bond account. Right. So, okay, so I'm not in jail now. So, basically, i got to ask for a true bill or... A true uh, bill signed by a judge. Whoever signed off on those warrants, you say, I need a copy of these warrants because I need to satisfy them. You're trying to satisfy it. Okay. And then you just, you can write, like, the money order... Or you can write, you know, the best thing to do is get a money order and write on that memo what you're trying to do. Right. Or you write, because that is an instrument, that warrant is a check. You see, that's why I posted it on the wall. It said it's a check. Right. You flip that warrant over and you sign what I wrote on there. You could just say um, property of the state of, right? Right. And you put in their special private priority because you're you're giving it back to them with your signature, right? Right. As a beneficiary with a vested interest or as an agent. And you only put your first name. Gotcha. And then you give it back to the... Now, you don't give it to the uh, attorney. You don't give it to the judge. You give it to your trustee who is the clerk. So if the clerk has the warrants, I got to get certified copies from the clerk. She'll right. give me those, or or the judge. You're saying get it from the judge who signed. No, the warrant. you never go to the judge. You don't need to go to the judge. I'm gonna tell you why. Your trustee is the clerk of the court. Right. That is, they they have to do their fiduciary duty to give you those true bills so you can satisfy them. Okay. I'm just well. I'm in a special situation that I'm not allowed to file anything, only behind the fact that because of the paperwork I filed against the two judges in the DA. 
So anything okay. that I... you did, you filed against the judges, so you know what you do? You write a letter of apology to the judges, okay, because they were not your enemy. Right, we okay. Did, we, we just made a whole show about this, right, Southern, about the judges. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. If those, I mean, yeah, there's nasty judges out there. I'm not going to, and don't get me wrong, because every day, think about this, people. Listen, you guys are on this radio show. We, how many people do we have in America? Like six point something million people? Southern? Eight, let's just say we had eight million people in America. I think it's 3.3 3. 3 or 3.4, they say. All right, well, well guess what? 3.1 million don't know the, what the heck they're doing, okay? And the ones who do know what they're doing are the judges. They know what's going on here. But did you know that these judges, they're waiting for you? Let me tell you, they are waiting for you to come in there and do the right thing. But when you don't go in there and do the right thing, you know, every time we go into the courtroom, they just look at you like a lost cause. Because everyone has failed to do the right thing. And it's their fault, too, because they're stealing your money. Yeah, they don't teach you this because they don't want you to know. But if you find out how to do it, they will honor you and they will bow down to you and respect you. Uh, because that means you did your homework. Another thing, that court from the court. Yeah. He's he's the uh, he's a custodian uh, of the currency. That guy can mm-hmm. pay off the debt. Yeah, they're the comptroller, and you have to instruct them. Mm-hmm. You have to instruct them, people. That's your public trustee. I just gave it to you right there from the clerk's website. It says that they are the comptroller of the currency. All that money, that FIDE, F-I-D-E, FIDE Commissary Trust. That is your Sesquik because I trust. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is called CITUS Trust, S-I-T-U-S. Citus Trust, and that is in every county. That's all of your um, your trust money going into all those little accounts, running all those agencies, because why? Because we don't know what the heck we're doing, people. They have to hire all these little agencies to tell you what to do. But when you learn how to pay the bill, guess what? They go away. And so does the depth of the nation. Hello? I'm listening. I'm just waiting to see if you're going to come in there. I'm just telling people, listen, I've tried. I'm not a court person. I'm going to tell you, like, I'm not a woman of the court, meaning that I've never really had cases against me. I'm usually the plaintiff in most of my cases. And I've won all of them, except for two, which is this warrant that I have that I'm trying to quash right now, which they won't even give me the bill. I don't I guess they don't want me to pay it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna actually write the letter to the court and tell them I want to see these actual warrants so I can satisfy them. Because they're just for traffic tickets. And I'm not the kind of person that has ever had a violation against me. 
And number two, for my home, because I made a mistake in one of my filings. I had already had the case dismissed for fraud. And um, what happens is the attorney, they keep coming back. So when you write these papers, I've been telling you guys, you need to write it with prejudice. You need to put your your stamp on the right-hand corner. You sign over that stamp all the way across, and then you put the date right below it. If you're doing pro, um, what is that called? Southern form of pauperis as a pauper. Mm-hmm. You put the dollar stamp. It has to be a dollar over your right-hand corner, uh, right top corner. You flip that paper over, and you write your name in all lowercase letters. Just your first name, put the double dots in front, double dots in back of it to keep people from adding titles to it. And um, you don't need to put anything else because see your case number, uh, that identifies your trust account. And the judge knows who you are. You're the beneficiary. But you have to make sure that you let them know that that you're the beneficiary with a vested interest. You're not a third party here. The attorney who comes against you, he is the executor. All attorneys are executors except for the ones that work in bankruptcy. They're trustees because they were given the job by the Crown Corporation as the alien property custodian. And being the alien property custodian, if you look at the attorney's job, his job is to dispose of your property, to remove it from you, to take it from you, um, to move instruments around, to put debt on you. They are the worst. They are the worst. But if you call them out, guess what? They run out of the courtroom, too. <laughs> I had an attorney, he wouldn't even look at me when I went to court. He just put his head to the side real slow, and I said, who are you? He turned his head around, the judge is the one that answers. You don't need to know his name. And I said, then why is he in here? That was was the prosecutor. He wouldn't even look at me. And then I said something to her, and she just got up from her bench and walked out the door. I don't, you know, I'm not against you at all, but I'm not going to let you put the bill on me, honey, because I don't have any money. You have the money. And you're going to pay my bill. Well. Crown Corporation says, and I'll repeat it on every show. If you're not the author and you don't have the author's permission, you are not to act or perform something that you are told to do or use if you don't have the licensed agent's permission or the author's permission. What is that telling you, people, that every one of you guys went to jail on your own free will and consent? And let's just say that the officer arrests you, right? So what? Let him arrest you, and then you write that little paper? And even if you go to court the next day, you just tell them, I'm not the trustee here. I'm a beneficiary with a vested interest. Now, who's the trustee? There go, they go running out the door. Are you the trustee, Your Honor? How about you, clerk? Because it's really the clerk. They, they run away from you. And you have to say, for the record, people, 
This case is extinguished. For the record, make your announcement in front of the public. You're not trying to hurt them. You are trying to actually help them, but since you want to be so nasty, don't challenge their jurisdiction. Don't waste your time, because that's just wasting time and energy, people. Give them what they want. And you know why you want to give them what they want? Because what you're giving them what they really don't want, which is they wanted access to your birth certificate trust, but when you order them to extinguish that debt, now they can't get paid twice or three times because you just handled the matter without having to um, uh, cause a tax burden on the public. If you use a Federal Reserve note now to pay them, you're, you've just doubled the debt. Remember that. When you use that instrument, you're not paying anything off with that Federal Reserve note. Southern, how many phone calls have we made throughout the month asking people what do they want us to pay them with, right? They will not say the word Federal Reserve note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. They, they won't touch it with the a 10-foot pole. They won't touch mm-hmm. it with a 10-foot pole, will they, Southern? No, they sure won't. They sure won't. They know what that they know what that Federal Reserve note is. Hey, they don't want I'll that Federal you. Reserve note. That's a taxable instrument. I'll tell you what. If you think I'm kidding you, people, try this. You guys who pay income tax next year, walk into walk into the IRS with a wad of with a wad of Federal Reserve notes yeah. in your hand yeah. and try to pay your tax for that. They'll arrest right? you. Well, they won't arrest them, but they won't take it either. No, you, I've you seen know. people going to jail. They've gone to jail for paying it with cash. And you know what else, people? You can look up the laws, or you know what you could do even better yet if you don't believe me? Go to the bank and say, how much money can I take out without getting in trouble by the IRS? I want to buy a car in cash for $10,000, right? Ask a dealer. I want to buy a cash car for like $10,000 at a dealer, they'll run away from you. Mm-hmm. They do not want your money, trust me. They do not want those Federal Reserve notes. Nobody wants them. That's a taxable instrument, people. And if the dealer gets a taxable instrument, then they're going to have to pay the taxes on it. Why do you think all these corporations use accountants and they write, they maneuver money on the ledger? Those are just numbers on the ledger. They don't pay taxes because they don't handle Federal Reserve notes. And when you do give them a Federal Reserve note, guess what? It's a bonus for that worker, like the salesman and the manager. They have to pay taxes on it on their income tax, not the corporation. They don't deal with Federal Reserve notes. They issue the instrument that you're going to sign. So that way, no Federal Reserve note is exchanged hands, and they go and they cash that in because they have been given by law the right to be able to conduct business using the instrument. Hello? Hello? I'm here. Okay. Uh, okay. Any, Any further questions? Hello? I'm not sure. Does anybody have a question? 
Yeah, what was the name of those two trusts again? The Citus Trust and the, what was the first one? The other one is called the Fide Commissary Trust, F-I-D-E. Mm-hmm. You know how when you're in the military you have a commissary? Yeah. It's in jail. Or when <laughs> you're no, the military has one too. They have a store called the commissary. Yep. And it's C-O, I think it's C-O-M-M-S-A-R-Y or O-R-Y. But you just look up five commissary trusts. And I posted an article there where it talks about the black slave because a long time ago, that trust account, um, they, it tells you about the history of the birth certificate. And think about it this way, people. You have a master a long time ago during slavery days. And the master had to take care of all of the people that worked on the plantation. They had to feed them. They had to provide medical attention. Um, house them. So what happens, you send the slave boy and you say, listen, I need you to go to the store and you're going to bring back $50 worth of groceries for the family, right? And they come back and the store manager gives them a $50 um, paper and they give it to the master, right? The master has to pay the bill. Well, that's exactly what's happening right now, people, because your name is prisoner of war and the master is holding your trust account. So what you have to do is instruct the person who's given you the public bill to go and collect that from the principal, who is really called the master. Notice the agent is notice the principal. The the agent here is your clerk of the court who is also called the public trustee. If you don't instruct them and you try to pay it, you're going to be penalized. And you know what else happens? They can't remove that debt from the record because you never credited the debt. It stays on your record because you're paying with a Federal Reserve note, and that money's not yours. It belongs to the master, who is the comptroller. Who is who? The clerk. Are we making further questions? Well, we've been on here about two and a half hours. What do you say we call Have it tonight? Yes, this is 11, almost 11.30. Okay. Time well, finished. everybody, I hope that we've once again been able to inform you. Um, like I said, I hope you enjoy the show. We're giving you a fresh perspective on things. Um, A lot of people will say, you know, this is garbage, whatever. But once you learn, the most important thing is this. I'll try to post it on the wall. I'll try to draw a diagram if I have to. But the other day I posted one of my cases that I wrote up on um, state capture. That means when you're kidnapping a baby and I order the return of that child. I have another one for quashing a warrant. But... The reason why I wrote a quashing of the warrant means that we're not accepting your contract. It was um, uh, it was a subpoena, I'm sorry. And what did we write on the subpoena? It's the original bill. It was served, paid back to the principal. And whatever was written in those red letters that I posted on legal deception is what we put on there. And I instructed that person to give it back to the trustee so that they could discharge that um, subpoena. 
you, I can write some diagrams to show you. The most important thing you need to learn is who is who in that courtroom and who are you when you step in there. You're not to be afraid when you go in there, people. If you settle those debts, they, I bet you they wouldn't be trying so quickly to re- arrest you again and again because they don't really want to arrest you if you know what you're doing. I mean, I'm daring everybody. Try something new. Really try it. I've been doing it, and I've been getting some pretty good results. Very good. As a matter of fact, I used to work in the courtroom. I've seen people do things that I didn't understand what they were doing before, but I do know why they were doing it now. Well, it's I know your benefit, I'll be at, people. I know I'll be at the post office tomorrow, and I'm going to get $15, one, $15 $1 money orders and then start writing some, some money orders and attaching some of these bills like I said. I did it too. <laughs> I did it too. I was there today getting a whole bunch of dollar money orders. And did you know, which um, the post office told me this, I talked to the postmaster um, supervisor, or whatever they call them, postmaster general for the post office. Did you know that if the market crashes, and say the dollar is valued at zero, right? Mm-hmm. And a new currency comes in. Did you know if you're holding money orders? Uh, the clerk told me that the post office never, ever loses value of those money orders. Yep. And that's why and, we're asking for mm-hmm. postal money orders from any of our mm-hmm. tenants. Mm-hmm. We're going to stop the postal money orders. You ain't got no money, but you got some money orders? People will take those money orders but they won't take your dollars if it's valued at zero because whenever the um, the economy comes back with a new currency, those money orders are still valued at what they're valued at, she says, even if you have a new type of currency. So I'm telling you, all I can say to you guys is this. This is my second alert that I got, which is pointing towards maybe a collapse in July or the winding down in July, and maybe a return of a new currency or a new system in October. But if I were you people, I'd be getting me some $10, $20 money orders if you don't have that much money so you can trade it for food and water. And if you do have the money, I would start right now making sure you have a good three-month supply of food. Don't take some more chances, people. Don't wait till the last minute because It'll be a bloodbath at that grocery store. And get you yeah. some money orders. Yeah. All right, people, I don't have anything more to say tonight. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Yes. And I'll see you guys on Legal Deception if you have any questions tomorrow. Okay. Good night. All right. Good night, good night everybody. everybody. Have a good, good night. Bye bye.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.